you know, it was very easy. She was very honest. She told me about her cancer. She showed, showed me that she had a single mastectomy. She had had multiple treatments and that she had kept her cancer at bay. Um, she was very upfront about it. And, um, and it captivated me more to meet her. And then when I first met her, there was just something about her that was just beautiful. It was just, it was more than surface beauty, that which it was certainly, but it was just her whole courageous um, choice to put herself out there, even though she was, you know, fighting cancer and to be a woman and to have the confidence and the desire and the awareness that she wanted to meet somebody and she wanted to find love again, even under the circumstances by which she was challenged by. Hello and welcome to the season one finale of the How to Relationship podcast, the podcast where we speak to couples who've been together for, you know, a good amount of time (laughs) to find out how to make relationships work. I'm your host, Anais Lucia. And yes, I usually have couples on the podcast, but this is a very special episode. My guest today is Larry Indivilia. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, He is the author of 126 Days, 11 Minutes, Our Love Story, a beautiful book, which is the story of him, Larry, and Gail, who both in their 60s, they met online, um, and just their beautiful love story. And they actually, this love story actually happened just last year. Uh, It's a pretty recent story, but the book is just so beautiful. I'm sorry if I say beautiful a lot, but it really is. It was so touching and I highly recommend everyone to read it. So let's find out more about Larry and Gail's love story right now. Hi, Larry. Thank you so much for joining me and being on the How to Relationship podcast. It is a pleasure to be here. I'm honored and humbled to be a guest and I'm looking forward to connecting, have a great conversation and providing some value to your to your listeners, and I appreciate all the fine work you're doing uh, via your podcast and your other programs. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. I read, uh, for those of you listening, I read his book. It's beautiful. I really uh, recommend everyone read it. Um, it's, you know, it's not too long, so if you have some time, you can definitely, you know, get that going. So for those who have not read the book, um, can you talk a little bit about what 126 days 11 minutes is about sure the uh and thanks for asking the backstory of the book 126 days 11 minutes our love story is about two actively aging seniors in their 60s yes in their 60s who meet Mm -hmm. online on an online dating site and um against perhaps all odds fall uh madly in love because one of them, in this case, Gail, um, is battling and had been battling stage four breast cancer for four plus years, but um, they are captivated by each other, first phone call and then their first meeting and decide to live in the today rather than worry about the yesterdays or the tomorrows. Uh, We had both been married before, we were both single and to profoundly and unconditionally love each other. And what we, we find through the 126 days which our love story lasted until Gail transitioned was that 
was that it was worthwhile and possible to love with loss rather than never to have loved at all. And um, it's a book about life more than anything else. Um, it's also a book about hope, optimism, fun, adventure, and ultimately transitioning to another level of consciousness once our earthly stay um, is finished, in, in that case with Gail. But there's something for everybody in this particular book. It's a book about life and um, to write a, a love story after one who has lived it, and I did live it with Gail. Um, it was a very, um, very, very profound experience and I wanted to share that with the world. Awesome. So I one thing I noticed, um, the first time that you guys actually saw each other in person, like when you were in the car, yeah. and then just like the way you were like describing her, I don't know, I could just like feel how much you loved her. It was so weird. I was like, oh my, I was so touched. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know. There was something about the way you wrote that I could just like, I was like, already like, yeah, yeah. I could just feel it. It was wonderful. You know, she, sometimes you get captivated by a, a person for a lot of different reasons. I, I had had the phone call with Gail the night prior. It was a Monday night. We spent a little over an hour on the phone. And, you know, it was very easy. She was very honest. She told me about her cancer. She showed, showed me that she had a single mastectomy. She had had multiple treatments and that she had kept her cancer at bay. Um, she was very upfront about it. And, um, and it captivated me more to meet her. And then when I first met her, there was just something about her that was just beautiful. It was just, it was more than surface beauty, that which it was certainly, but it was just her whole courageous um, choice to put herself out there, even though she was, you know, fighting cancer and to be a woman and to have the confidence and the desire and the awareness that she wanted to meet somebody and she wanted to find love again even under the circumstances by which she was challenged by. And uh, yeah, when I, when I did the, I talk about it in the book, she had taken a couple of wrong turns and I was mm -hmm. put my thumb out in hitchhiking motion. And as soon as I got in her car, it was very relaxed. It was like I had known her for a long time. And that's, that's special when to find that um, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual connection with a significant other, mm -hmm. um, it's it's powerful. It's not easy to find that. It's not easy. Yeah, to yeah. yeah. I definitely. I <sighs> that that is special. I didn't. Yeah, it's very rare. That's something that I I love when it happens, but it sadly doesn't happen that often. Um, and if I read correctly. Uh, apparently by like day seven, it, it seemed like you were already, like you already knew you loved her. Is that true? Um, yeah. Are you, I, yeah, I did. I, I did. I, 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 um, I, you know, she had a great spirit. Gail had a great spirit and she was a colorful woman. You know, she had been married three times. She was a world-class photographer and um, she was an Argentine, Argentinian da uh, tango dancer. She was a very eclectic, very colorful, very joyful, very exuberant woman and had life experience. And um, cancer um, tried to take that away from her and it, she would not let that happen. She did what she could once her diagnosis 
five, almost five years when I met her is four plus years. But she just said, I am going to continue to live as best I can under these conditions. And I will continue to be a woman. And um, so she had a great soul. She had a great spirit. She had a great soul. And it's just something that um, captivated me in wanting to discover more and more about her. And I had never really experienced that with a woman. I was married for 25 years. I've been divorced nine years, had a couple of relationships prior to Gail, which were mm -hmm. respectful, but weren't going to be long term. And Gail gave me the confidence that, hey, there's a woman out there. And even though they may be struggling, in her case, it happened to be cancer. It's, it's beneficial to take a risk and to experience it. Because if you don't, you may lose out on having an experience that was just something that you will take with you the rest of your life, as it turned out to me with Gail. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I did. I, I knew there's something special about her. Wow. Yeah, I, I could kind of relate because um, the one time I've been in love, I kind of fell for that person. It, for me, like it was like a month after like a month. I was like, I would totally marry this person if they wanted. Like I knew and I've I've talked to people before and they um, they think that it's kind of impossible or crazy. Like you can't love someone that fast. You have to know them for at least a whole year or something. I'm just like, I've I think sometimes people just know like it doesn't you don't have to put like a certain oh only after a year then you can like be in love so yeah and it's a great point because society sometimes puts all these um, rules you know on you have to have a certain amount of money you have to look a certain way um, you have to have a certain amount of a certain career you know what I mean like all these things have to line up and if they're not just so then don't get involved. It's, it's not worth it. Um, and you know, what it comes down to is self-awareness and um, doing some personal work and being self-aware. One of the things about Gail, what she told me is to love somebody unconditionally, um, mm. without reservations, without judgments, without conditions, without certain expectations. Mm -hmm. you must love yourself unconditionally first. Mm. So if you love yourself unconditionally first, you'll be more able to do that uh, with a man, with a woman, with a significant other, whatever it happens to be, because mm -hmm. you, you unconditionally love yourself first. Sounds egotistical, but it's really not. Because then you could extend that to another person because you've accepted and respected yourself. And, and you love yourself unconditionally based on who you are and the journey you've taken. So that was another thing I really learned from Gail that I really was really great was that she had this awareness about mm -hmm. what unconditional love was and, and why it was important to experience that. Yeah. And for those of you who have not read the book, this story, um, love story actually was pretty recent, happened it last was. year. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, last year at this time, um, I was seeing Gail. It started January 6th, 2020, and ultimately it ended on May 12th, 2020. So it was during this last year, the COVID year, which is still with us. And, you know, there, it was interesting how that, and, and there was cancer involved with it. But um, 
I, I think that when something happens, um, people have asked me, well, the book came out fairly quickly. Um, emotion can work for you in relationships and it could work for you in other endeavors. And sometimes it could work against you if you're so emotionally distraught or you know, into something. In my case, it worked for me because I, everything was fresh in my mind and I felt that I really wanted to share this with the world and the lessons that, that I'd learned from Gail. And you know, frankly, there's many Gails and Larrys out there it doesn't have to be cancer. It could be other things, other mm -hmm. forms of struggle that one or the other is undergoing. And the other person comes in to try to help them through it and to provide some hope. You know, I think hope is such a huge word, a big word, to provide hope that things will get better and that maybe there is a cure, maybe there is healing. But I will say in last year when I first met Gail, I knew she was struggling and she was battling. I never thought she was going to transition in four months. I, I never was like, mm. okay. And she didn't. She really felt she was going to beat it in a lot of ways. And she had different levels of success. But, um, but it, is, it is interesting when you meet somebody on, on such a level that, that you decide quickly that you do want to share it with the world and, I, and I'm glad I did. How, maybe how soon after she passed it, were you like, you decided you wanted to tell the story and what was the motivation behind why, wanting to share it? Yeah, um, insightful question. Because a lot of people ask me um, that. And it was kind of like the perfect storm in a way. Three things. One, um, I was grieving. And I wanted to write as a form of relieving some of that grief and then as a catharsis, you know, to kind of get through it. I felt mm -hmm. that just reviewing what had just went on in four months, um, it was fresh in, in my mind. Um, I do a lot of journaling, a lot of detailed journaling every day. So I had voicemails, I had texts from Gales, mm -hmm. I had poems, I had letters, I had my own journal notes. And, um, I wanted, I used all that in um, wanting to get those lessons out there. Really wanted to share what I learned from her. And thirdly, and maybe ironically in a strange way, COVID. COVID, you know, shut down March 12th, Gail transitioned May 12th. And it gave me the time. I couldn't work as much. My personal mm -hmm. life was curtailed. My professional life was curtailed, all of us on some level. So it gave me the time to write. So I felt an urgency, let me use this time to write, to get it done. Uh, I wasn't paranoid about catching COVID myself, but I said, you know, you never know. So it permitted me the time and the energy to get this book going. Also, for you writers out there and aspiring writers, I had an accountability partner, Kelly Watson, who owns Scripter Publishing, who helped me publish the book. It is a self-published book. She was my accountability partner. And every Monday, the book is written in days. There's 126 days. Each day has a title and a theme, as you know, because mm -hmm. you read it. Um, and every Monday, I had to give Kelly 20 days of writing. Oh. Every Monday morning. So I had that accountability 
And I followed that through seven weeks and the book was written in seven weeks, all 126 days and then ultimately the 11, the 11 minutes. So that's kind of how it came to pass. And I felt if I didn't do it then, I might never do it. And I also wanted to move forward with mm -hmm. my life uh, on some level. Gail had told me when she was in hospice, Larry, I don't want you moping around. I know you're gonna love again. Um, mm -hmm. You're not that young a guy at 65, so don't waste five years moping around because I'm gone. So mm -hmm. I, I remembered those words and I did want it to move forward in some way. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I was thinking like, it's so beautiful and just lovely that you have like this whole experience with Gail you have in this book now. Like it's, you know, it's like it's a way for her to just kind of live on her memory live on forever yeah she you know she wanted i shared in the book on day 51 you may remember uh you know she was a, a accomplished photographer and she had three larger coffee table books you know the of photographs mm -hmm. three professional books and she had mentioned on that day 51 which i shared that she thought she wanted to write she wanted to write a fourth book about her cancer journey and she was going to title it my enlightened journey loving, dancing, and living with stage four breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Now, she never got a chance to write that book, but I think it went in my subconscious. And then what happened was, and let me be clear, you know, 126 days, 11 minutes is not an autobiography of Gail. It is not mm -hmm. the book she would have written, I don't believe. But what it is, you get to know Gail. Mm -hmm. You get to know her as a person, as the loving person she was, as the mystical person she was, as the dancer, as the lover, as the friend, um, and, and just so many more things in her life. And um, that was important for me to share in honoring her courage, her life, and that could also inspire others because it inspired me and I felt if it inspired me, her life that it could inspire some others, you know, maybe battling cancer or just struggling. It doesn't necessarily have to be a cancer situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She seemed like such a lovely person, just definitely someone you want to meet and just seem very, I don't know, uh, warm and loving. And just, I love how she, it seems like she could just kind of relate to anyone, talk to anyone. And yeah, yeah, she was really, um, and you know, maybe, in such a way, I think she was like that anyway. I mentioned in the book that Gail had a high IQ, intellectual quotient, and a high EQ, emotional quotient. And sometimes you don't find that in a person. You find maybe somebody who's like got a super high IQ, but emotionally they're not as developed. Or the opposite, they have a super high EQ and maybe their IQ isn't as high. Gail had both. She uh, went to USC. She had majored in French and Russian studies. She was fluent in both languages. Um, she was very, very bright, but then she also had that emotional side to her. She was a Virgo, so earth maiden. And I think mm. that she had this connection to nature. And I talk about that in the book a lot, how mm -hmm. she had that connection to grounding in nature. She always liked to go out on trail hikes. She loved to have her bare feet sand between her toes. She always liked to look at the night sky. She had a lot of, um, um, she understood astrology. She 
I think she viewed life, and I shared in the book, you're born before you come out of the womb, you have an earthly experience, and then you transition to a higher level of consciousness. And Gail kind of had all of that. And she was a very, very kind person, very good with people. And I think also her profession helped her. She was a photographer. Got to be able to relate with people, put mm -hmm. them at ease, find out about them, because then mm -hmm. that enhances the photography experience, right? And the images that she's going to basically generate with her camera and what she's seeing through the lens. So I, I think she was very worldly and aware that way. And she was a lot of fun. She had a great sense of humor. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think uh, that, that comes out in the book as well. Yeah. And I love how I'm really into music too. So I, I love how a lot of the chapters, they had names of different songs. And I, I love, you know, oldies and like a rock and yeah. the Beatles and all that stuff. So I'm like, wow, she seems like, oh, I would... She did. She <laughs> liked rhythm and blues. She liked old Motown vocals. She she liked rock and roll, certainly. Um, you know, the, the, the she grew up with the Beatles. I share that in the book and, and some of the particular songs that she enjoyed. And But she also liked the tango music because she danced mm. to it. She mm -hmm. also liked ballet because she danced to, to ballet. So she had an appreciation for music, not only to listen to, but to move to. And, you know, it's interesting as you go through the book, as you have, there's kind of like the sub story in Gail's life, um, how dancing was a part of it. Because I think when she was a younger person, she wanted to be a professional dancer. Her career didn't turn out that way, but she had dancing as a as a uh, avocation. You know, she danced all the time, and she was in great shape. She had these like dancers' feet. She had some really strong feet, and um, so that you know that part of her moving to music, listening to music, it was part of her spirit, and it, it, it really was important to her. Music was an important um, important aspect of her life. It really was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. This is just me, <laughs> just like a random question, but I was just really curious, like, because maybe maybe it's your journaling or I don't know, because when you're, you know, in the book, you're describing her outfits on the different dates and stuff. Yeah. And I was just wondering, like, how does he remember her outfits? Because most I sometimes don't even remember what I wore two days ago. <laughs> I was like, do you write them down like every day? I wrote them yeah. in my journal. Yeah, okay. I always had this look about her. She wasn't, you know, she... She wasn't a uh, clothes horse necessarily, but she liked clothes. However, where she was at and, you know, after her cancer treatments and stuff like that, you know, her body changed. She used to, she was a full five, over five, seven woman, much of her life. And then as she aged in some of the cancer treatments, she had a neck surgery, you know, she shrunk. She was shorter by about mm. three inches. You know, when I knew her, she was, five, you know, five, four and a half or so. So some of her clothes, she had an awareness about clothes, but they got very functional. She wanted to be comfortable. She was a California girl. She grew up in California and she went to high school in, I think, Scottsdale, Arizona. But for the most part, she grew up out in California. So, you know, she liked sun. She liked warm weather. Uh, you know, sandals were cool. Um, mm -hmm. She had professional dress when she was a photographer, but she had always this funky look. So it was always kind of interesting what she would wear. And um, it was just something that I was always captivated by. She had the Serengeti 
tan glasses and her hair was always wild and mm. you know her blue eyes and she had converse sneakers and it, it was fun it was a lot mm. of fun that way but i did write it down um okay. when when uh that's how i remembered yeah Okay. And that's interesting because uh, about her going to school, because I went to school in Scottsdale, I graduated um, college there. I lived in San Diego for a year. So I kind I knew like Torrey Pines, all the places we were talking about. I hiked oh, yeah. there. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> um, I could, I could kind of see it more vividly what you guys were talking about. So that was really, I mean, what you were uh, talking about in the book. So that was really cool. I could yeah. kind of relate in that aspect. Um, and a lot of the venues we went to people, a lot of people asked me like, God, you guys are like on this huge adventure in some ways. And it and it wasn't because I had a stopwatch on Gail's life. I, I, I didn't I, I didn't do that. And I don't think she did that either. She I know she didn't do that. Um however, each day was a different day, and we wanted to embellish each day. And you know, the book shares each day in a different way, a different theme. What was the focus for that day? Some of the days were exciting, you know, some of the days not so exciting. Some of the days she might have been in pain or, you know, not as not as healthy, but each day, you know, had its unique purpose and how we approach life. And like I said, the, the book, it's kind of about life. It's a book about life, ultimately transitioning and then how we approached it. Um, I didn't each day I wasn't trying to think of how to upstage that next day. It was just things that naturally um, happen. And the other thing too, and I, I share in the book, and I don't share it right away. I just want to make sure it was in context. Cancer took a lot away from Gail, especially a lot of her financial resources. In LA, she had to close her business down and she had made the decision to come to San Diego to fight her cancer. And um, when she was very, very sick early on, and I didn't know her then, she lived with her mother. Her mother reached out to her and really gave her a place where all Gail needed to do was to heal and fight her cancer and not mm -hmm. worry about bills and being thrown out on the street, and not having a place to sleep. And, and that was something that meant a lot to Gail. However, when I knew her, she wanted to get out. You know, she wanted to do things. She wanted to experience life. She wanted to have fun, you know, and, and we did our best to do that. And I, I share that in the book and especially through the first 65 days, as you know, um, and then, uh, you know, before the cancer came back in a big way, but um, we, we did, uh, we did have a lot of fun and it it was good, and especially if you're if you're familiar with Southern California, San Diego. Some of the spots were a lot, you know, they were a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. I love San Diego. Do you, by any chance, still keep in touch with her family? Yeah, I um, I, I spoke about um, Jim, uh, mm -hmm. who was uh, Gail's mom's uh, boyfriend in the book. I describe him a lot. Um, I, I do talk to Gail's mom um, frequently. You know, as far as just keeping in touch with with him, um, with with her boyfriend and Gail's mom in particular, and then um, occasionally I'll talk with her brother and some of her friends. So some of her friends who were mentioned in the book who were very close, um, I, I do try to keep in touch when I can, and um, you know that's the beauty of social media sometimes too. What you share, people 
feel connected to you. So in mm-hmm. shape or form, um, I, I do. And um, I feel that, um, that we worked as a team and I share that in the book. And I think, you know, this having read it um, to get Gail through that last stage of her life so that she did it on her terms as much as we possibly could provide. And um, we all contributed to that in our own special ways. We did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's one thing I loved about just like, I don't know, you're like, just the way you were with her, you, you weren't, you know, you thought about maybe what she, what she would have liked instead of just like, sometimes we think so much about like, what would work for us or what we want, but you know, some, and then you forget to think about what the other person wants. It might not be what you want, but you're trying to respect, like you're trying to respect like her, what she might want and stuff like that. Yeah. So. And when you become, you know, I turned and, and it's, it's, you know, we, I shared in the book and I became her caregiver in a way, you know what I'm, I'm saying? Like advocate care, um, come almost like a patient advocate, but during those seven days when she was in the hospital before we were able to get her into that inpatient four bed hospice, sharp hospice foundation, the Parkview home. And I openly state that in the book numerous times because it was such an awesome place and, and how they provided her peace and a pain-free transition. Um, and you know, when, when you, you go through that, COVID really, and I share, as you know, a lot about the in-hospice or inpatient hospice experience. When I was there every day, I I couldn't really, other than the staff there, I had to be in Gail's room because of COVID. We couldn't go through the home like you could, because they have a common area, a TV room. You could talk to other family members and commiserate. There was none of that. Mm -hmm. So I had to be totally present with Gail you know, sometimes I was in a room five hours, sometimes shorter than that, as I share in the book. So I had to make, I wanted to be present and what would be important. I found that a person who's transitioning still wants to have contact with real life of what's going on. And that was the beauty of that inpatient hospice. It was a garden view. You could see the birds, you could see the flowers, you could get fresh air. You were in a environment that you still had a touch of reality with the world and then I tried to bring in things to Gail that I thought would help her some days I was more successful than others and then other days were more challenging as I shared um, when somebody transitions yeah Mm -hmm. and one reason I I want people to read this book is okay something that stood out to me (laughs) was your text messages to each other they were just so beautiful and I'm just like why do people not text like this? That would be amazing. <laughs> it's just so, so... handsome and I called her beautiful. I, you know, that yeah. started, you know, the first date when she told me I was more handsome in person than my pictures on the online dating site. You know, mm. for, for, for one who's a Leo, that could be dangerous, you know, because we <laughs> sometimes Leos could be vain. But in any mm. case... She always called me handsome and I always called her beautiful. And that was from the start. And, um, you know, that, that wasn't contrived. That's, that was in how we addressed each other a lot. And I think when you do that, 
there's benefits to that. There's really benefits to that and that you really hold each other in high regard. And it feels good uh, to the person receiving. And I think it feels good to the person who gives as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, also just like technical kind of stuff, like you write in full sentences, whereas like a lot of young people, LOL, BRBs, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm not like that. I, I was like, I need to, I like to write out the full word, use punctuation, <laughs> proper grammar. It's yeah. just really frustrating. So I'm just like, oh, I love, I was like, if people texted like this more, that would be amazing. So if you want some tips on wooing through text, <laughs> read yeah, the book. It. It's, it's important. And uh, she, um, you know, we were, when you're emotionally connected, you know, that's, that that's important uh, with a person, especially somebody you're dating, somebody you love, uh, that's more apt to come out that way. Uh, rather, if there's a, if there's a wall, you know, somehow there, you know, you, if you, if you practice that, well, first of all, you want to, you feel moved to, and you're emotionally mm -hmm. connected with the person. So, um, you know, uh, positive affirmations, right, for the person. A lot of times, love languages, right? Chapman's book, Five Love mm. Languages. And some some people like to hear positive words of affirmation or touch or whatever it happens to be. And, you know, positive affirmations are good. You know? So we, we, uh, we practice those for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, you guys do some really, like, just really romantic things. Um, you, you know, I, li I like how you read each other love letters i was like oh my god like, <laughs> like so emotional like that was so beautiful oh, and, then, yeah. that was, and then um, you like dropped off the card at her front door and like how did you learn to just be so romantic <laughs> well you know a lot of people have asked me in your interaction with gail were you making up for something that you hadn't done in your past like maybe you felt guilty because, you know, your marriage ultimately didn't work out after 25 years. Um, there was many good years we had, but ultimately we broke up. And uh, so, you know, were you trying to make up for that? And I don't really think so. I think when you really click with a person and there's a certain chemistry and I think the universe brought it in. I think God and the universe brings people together for a reason. Sometimes mm -hmm. it could last, a relationship could last for a long, long time. Sometimes it's a short period of time as mine was with Gail, but they're not random. They're always for a reason. And, and I believe Gail, when I look back on it, um, gave me hope again that I could have a full love and complete relationship with a woman and I think prior to that, I, I had my doubts, you know, whether, whether I could do that again. Was I capable mm. of doing that? Would I ever get the feeling to want to do that? So in some cases, she broke my heart open to be able to do that, to be inspired to do that, not just based on the choice she made to love me, but um, also by just the person she was. And mm. I think... Um, any man or woman or whatever the relationship is between man, woman, woman, man, and it could be, you know, it, it could be different associations for that matter is um, you'll, you'll find that when there's true chemistry, 
it comes naturally. Mm-hmm. It's not forced. Um, you just want to do things because you feel that strongly about the person. So it's like, oh, this week I better get her flowers or this week I better write her a card. And sometimes it just hits into the moment and you do something because it's organic. It's from the heart. You know, I do say in the book, follow your heart. It doesn't, the heart doesn't have any questions. And I think society sometimes tells us that it does have questions, but if you follow it, um, you'll find that you can have a tremendous experience, love experience, than if you question your heart too much. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's a good, good lesson right there. Um, so, like you said, you were kind of like her, you know, patient advocate. So, what, mm-hmm. what advice would you have for anyone else who might have to kind of go through a similar thing? Yes. Um, you know, Gail always said, she always wanted to stand in her truth. She felt she wanted to stand in her truth all her life. She never, she never, um, that was a conviction she had. She never negotiated that. And in that process, she asked me a lot of things when she was in the hospital trying to make a decision where she wanted to transition. She didn't want to die in my home. She didn't want to die in, die in her mom's home. She didn't want to put that burden on her mother. And she didn't want to put that burden on me to have her dying in my place and then always remembering that that's where Gail passed away. She just didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So as a result, she, each patient has different needs. And sometimes when you get into a hospital setting and all those professionals try to do their very best, especially with COVID, to place a person to make sure they could transition peacefully and without pain. And I do believe that. That said, not everybody's the same. So my my, um, recommendation is if you get into a situation I was with Gail, listen to her needs, listen to what she feels she wants, irrespective of what you think is right for her, you know, and help he or she make that come to pass. You know, because I could have said, Gail, I insist you're going to die in my home. Well, if that's not what Gail wants, Mm -hmm. then that's not the right decision. It's about the person who's transitioning and experiencing that phase of his or her life. So do listen to that. And even though you may not agree, do your best to help that person make that happen. Um. I think um, the other thing is in being a patient advocate, you don't have to do it alone. And I share this in the book. There will be people that emerge that help you. And there was many I mentioned in the process of trying to get her into that hospice and how that came about, the Sharp Hospice home at Parkview. Um, The people that approached me, because I had my moments and I share them in the book, especially the 44 days Gail was in hospice. The challenges I had, was I doing enough? Was I doing too much? Uh, The doubts I had. And I had my times of weakness and there was key people that helped me, friends and and associates and work colleagues and and, uh, Gail's mom's boyfriend, all came in and did their part to help me get through it so that I could help Gail 
get through it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think finally too, as an advocate, remember as a person's transitioning that um, there's true angels in the hospice community. Uh, the professionals that work there, whether it's an in-home setting or in Gail's case, an inpatient setting, um, that really, really are dedicated to what they're doing. And they really are helpful in helping you to get through the process as a caregiver and then also to provide compassion and as much pain-free as possible transition for the patient and, and never take those folks for granted. I, I mentioned them highly in the book and many times. Mm -hmm. My last point about being an advocate, the person, in this case, Gail, you cannot provide peace to that person. They have to find their peace, but you also have to find your peace first. If you're peaceful, if you're at peace, that will help the patient who's transitioning and the person find their peace emotionally and mentally. You can mm -hmm. provide a physical comfort with, with palliative and pain-free medicine and care, but that person is still going through emotional and mental pain and having to find peace before they transition. So those were some of the things I learned. Yeah. It's good. Good tips. And yeah, I, I, I felt that, um, you know, Parkview seemed like a really, like if, if I needed that, I knew someone that needed that service. I was like, okay, that seems like a really nice place to, to go. Yeah. And there's only three of them. Sharp foundation only has three. There's two, four bed facilities. Parkview is one of them. There's a six bed facility. So that's only eight, that's only 14 beds. And then I think mm -hmm. they're gonna to try to open up a fourth one, but it's all based on donations. So oh. if the book could help um, Sharp Hospice Foundation in any way, uh, especially the Hospice Foundation wing of it, of, of Sharps, then you know I, I've tried to help them as much as I can because uh, they've certainly helped Gail and I, yeah. Mm -hmm. So where do you think the, you know, medical community, where do you think they, you know, really excelled or, you know, maybe some other things that they could improve on? The, uh, the medical community does their very, very best. And I, and I think initially get the person out of pain if they come in the emergency room, do their best to do the diagnostics, to get a good diagnosis of what's going on, an honest and compassionate prognosis. You know, don't, don't hide the truth from somebody and then trying to keep, to work with the person as best they can to go to the next step, to provide next alternatives. What is that? Gail's particular case, was it, was it gonna be a, a hospice in-home? Well, that situation wasn't realistic. Is it gonna be a, a, an uh, inpatient hospice like Parkview? Is it gonna be a, um, a boarding house? A, um, a, a, they have care homes that have assistance there. They're not full-blown inpatient hospices, but they're for people who don't have a home to go to. Is it assisted in dying? Now, the mm -hmm. traditional medical facilities um, do not counsel you on aid in dying. That's as if you want to take your own life, okay? And there, it's legal in California and other states, but there's rules and procedures and approaches that have to be followed. Um, Gail 
was interested in getting the information. She decided not to go that route for some reasons. I share that in the book. But um, um, overall, the medical community will do their very best to really ensure that your next step will be for you. They could only do so much. They could only do so much. And I think sometimes they could get overwhelmed, especially when COVID was going on. There was a lot of stress and strain. And sometimes the professionals you work with, they could only do so much. And then that's where you have to make the decision. Okay, how persistent do I need to be to stick with my guns and knowing that this is what the patient needs, my friend needs, my loved one needs. And you have to be willing to stay with that and to speak up because um, you know they're, they're running a model to get People care. Once traditional care is no longer an option, in Gail's case, it wasn't. They gave her two weeks to live. Then they have to move her on and want to move her on. So, so that's some of the things they do well, in, in my experience. And I, they're all well intentioned, but there's limits to every organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, who can benefit from reading your book? Wow, um, it's a book about lives. So I could say almost anybody, but specifically people actively aging seniors, for sure, who think that love is not possible. It's never too late Mm. to fall in love and to experience love. So those people, for sure. I think people struggling, they could be cancer survivors. It could be people who are undergoing treatment like Gail was. Maybe they've lost confidence. Maybe they feel that it's not possible to love again or to meet somebody to love because of their condition. Well, there is. And, and making a choice to put yourself out there as possible. And I think the book really shares that in, in mm-hmm. powerful choice that Gail made. I think um, it's for men and women to give them inspiration on how they could treat each other and relate to each other. You know, you mentioned the text messaging that Gail and I had, we always had a very respectful relationship, honest relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it was based on honesty, then trust, then then an intimacy, and then romance. And that was really what love is all about, all about being honest. And um, so it's for people um, who, who might be um, searching for how, how do I meet somebody? Well, you can meet somebody online. For people who are dating online, um, it's possible. There's powerful experiences you could have on that. So if people are out there dating online and maybe haven't had a great experience yet with that particular way of meeting people, it's, it's possible. You know, I still remember Gail's profile. Looking for a man who is fulfilled and accomplished in life who lives 20 miles from me with a sense of humor, a sense of uh, sensuality, sensitivity, kindness, and who feels like home. That was her description of what she was looking for. I I said, I think I'll sign up for this. I think I can qualify. So there's somebody out there for everybody. So for people who are on dating sites of any age, um, there's a person out there for you if you're open to it. 
if you're open to it. And I think that where you are energetically, it's who you're going sometimes to attract energetically. And mm -hmm. I do certainly believe that Gail and I met at a stage of our life that we were real, we were able to elevate both of our lives in different ways. Um, who else is it for? For people, um, grief counselors, for hospice workers, for people um, who work with people maybe in transitioning, to get them a little bit of an insight about how loved ones could also help them do their particular jobs. And then um, for anybody who wants to be inspired that there's good in the world, there's hope in the world, and that there's kindness in the world, not only for one another, but as a society. I felt my whole experience with Gail was one of finding people who were kind and considerate and compassionate and that there it is out there, okay? And you could experience it in a lot of different ways because sometimes right now with society the way it is, you know, there's a lot of negativity. Um, mm -hmm. This was positive. Um, and if I would leave them out, it would be unfair. Mm -hmm. The Argentine tango community, the dancers. Mm -hmm. The picture on the cover is one of Gail's professional photographs of a tango dancing couple and one of the malangas as they call it. And how um, art imitates life, how the embrace and the importance of tango dancing, how the man leads and the woman responds, how that's a snapshot of life and how it was a snapshot and a metaphor for the relationship Gail and I had. So for any of the Argentine tango community out there, I think you will appreciate how Gail loved that community and how you were all a big part of her life and how tango, at least Argentinian tango, plays into the whole relationship we had. So that's some of the people um, who could benefit from the book. And that kind of leads to my, the next question. I was going to ask you if um, you have taken tango, like... Um, well, you know, <laughs> it's interesting you asked that question. I've taken ballroom dancing before, but I didn't know um, Argentinian tango. And with COVID now, it's been impossible to take tango lessons. And one of Gail's closest friends, Carol, is a tango dancer, her and her husband in San Diego. So she's always said, Larry, when you're ready, when we get through this COVID stuff, let me know. Mm -hmm. So it is something I do wanna pursue at some point. And I was captivated by it. Um, when I went to that one night, I shared in the book when Gail invited me to the Malanga and she told me, she goes, look, I'm gonna be dancing with multiple men. I said, I don't care, I wanna go. I wanna see what it's about. And I shared that in the book about the Malanga in San Diego and how it was so interesting. It was such an interesting, there was a dance within the dance, you know, the actual dance movements. I was trying to look at steps and trying to figure it out, but it, it seemed like it was random, how the movements and how the woman would respond to the male lead. And it, it was very, very interesting to me. And it does take, um, it does take some lessons and take some experience to do it, but um, 
at some point, yeah, I, I believe I will. Yeah, especially awesome. when I retire, I'm still working actively and mm -hmm. be able to spend more time with it. Awesome. That's one thing I, I also like, I feel like I could relate to a, a lot of things in the book because like just little things, you know, with San Diego and the music and then tango. It's that's I was actually planning on starting tango lessons last year um, around March and then COVID happened. <laughs> so I never no, got to start my tango failed. lessons. Um, but it's it is a beautiful dance. Like I just when I've seen tango dancers, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want to. And it's based that. on the embrace, you know, especially in Argentinian tango, it's based on the embrace. The male leads, but the woman responds. She doesn't blindly follow. It's not just step, 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 follow. It's, it's the embrace and how the male leads, and then the woman responds. If the, if the male leads strongly, the woman responds strongly. The male doesn't lead real strongly, the woman's not going to respond to a weak lead. So, you know, there's that dynamic, and you could actually, you know, take that as a metaphor to life in a relationship. I'm not saying the man has to lead all the time, but many women would like to see a man take the initiative on certain things. And the woman could certainly take the initiative on certain things, but, you know, mm -hmm. that's kind of, people like that. I think women like that. I, 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 you know, not being a woman, but in that part of our relationship, Gail liked that. She was happy and willing to let me lead. And then she responded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, that's one thing I like about it too, is uh, I, I'm, I'm one of those that I like to, the men to take the lead. Uh, and, but I don't know, especially a lot of younger guys there. They don't, they don't yeah, want well, to. They might need a lot of lessons. Make sure they're trained. Yeah. <laughs> Send them to the tango teachers first. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, um, you know, the nice thing about our discussion today the book ultimately ends with Gail, you know, transitioning, but it's, it's not, it's not a downer story. And, and, you know, and I say that not being selfish, I'm not the person who transitioned Gail transitioned. She's no longer with us. So I don't want to diminish that. Okay. I'm blessed to still be living. I'm also a cancer survivor, but I had, I, my cancer was not even close to what Gail had to go through. So I say that in all due respect to Gail. But, um, you know, when it, it's a book of joy and it's a book of, about choice and it's a book about inspiration and it's a book about how embracing life till the end is a very powerful choice that, um, that a person makes and about truth. Everything Gail said, everything she touched, everything she did was about standing in her truth all the time. And she was able to transition with her truth intact because she was able to transition in a place that she really chose based on what she needed and, and, and how her journey here on life was, here on earth was gonna end. So yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, that's, that that's the dynamic of the book. Everybody tells me it's hard to put down, even though it's 342 mm -hmm. pages. It's it's quick. Each mm -hmm. day, as you know, is about two pages, two and a half pages at best, at most. Yeah. And it flows pretty well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't stop. I was like, after like after one day, like I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah, it's definitely hard to put down. And I was going to ask you to... Um, do you have a favorite memory of Gail? 
or you probably have more than one, but maybe one that kind of like sticks in your mind. Or... Yeah, I, I do. I do. Um, may, maybe two of them. I remember when we went to that dance club and she ended up freelancing on the dance floor. She had this black dress on and she was just enjoying herself. I was dancing with her part of the time, but then other part of the time, she just like was solo going at it. And it was just, she wasn't in pain. She was happy. She was relating to the music. Even the lead guitarist was like mesmerized by her. But I remember that moment, it was just purely joyful for her. And I would be standing by and just watching her that night, I remember. And then I remember the night, um, it was, um, and I, and I shared it, it was a rainy night and we were at Torrey Pines uh, Beach and it was raining and it was a dark blue sky and the moon was, was kind of obscured by the dark clouds and we were knee deep in water and walking in bare feet in the sand. And it was just a special kissing down there. It was just a special moment that you just want to kind of hold. I'll always remember that. I'll always remember when we were out there that night and just totally captured in the moment in nature and not worried about anything else. And those two in, in particular, um, and those were good times. And, um, and that's how I remember Gail most, not so much the end, and transitioning has its own characteristics, but I remember that about her living. And she was about life and about wanting to live and, and living a, uh, a very vibrant and a very dynamic and a very colorful and joyful life. And um, uh, cancer limited her somewhat, but she never lived in its shadow. And, and that's, um, that's the one thing I'll always remember about her too. Well, thank you for sharing that. So we're at the end. That's so crazy. Um, it goes quick. Time, you know, time flies by so fast. Just so for your listeners, 126 <laughs> Days, 11 Minutes, our love story is available on Amazon in Kindle or paperback. And I'm happy to say the Audible, the audio version will come out in February, hopefully before Valentine's Day. And um, there's two voice actors that are Larry and Gail. I did not do my own voice. Um, I felt it would have been weird with another woman. I, I just, oh, okay. you know what I mean? I just, mm. I just didn't feel emotionally right. So the audiobook does come out on Amazon's Audible in February. So that'll I might be have it. to listen to it again just to hear and really feel like. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. the they did a, a really good job. The boy actors did a good job i i had two senior voice actors because we're seniors and i wasn't you know i, I wasn't going to get a younger person such as yourself to be gail that would have been you know not quite mm. apropos but um yeah i'm looking forward to that and um and your other social done. media yeah social media um at larry in the viglia as far as on facebook at Larry Insight, I-N-D site, at Larry Insight on Twitter. And uh, I'm also um, I'm also on um, LinkedIn. I have LinkedIn. A, a lot of connections on LinkedIn. So anybody who wants to reach out to me directly, just email me. L in the Viglia at gmail.com. 
So that's a mouthful if you put it in the show notes. L I N D I V I G L I A at gmail.com. And I will answer. I've got a number of emails. I answer all of them. And um, I've been very humbled and very pleased with, um, with the book so far, how it's been accepted. And it's an honor to Gail. Her life made a difference. And, um, and maybe in ways she didn't realize Oh, well, I, I'm just honored uh, for, that you came on here and I, that I got to read the book is just, it really, you know, yeah, because right now it's kind of a hard time for a lot of people and sometimes it is <laughs> kind of hard to have hope in humanity at times with the negativity, but that just kind of was, the book was a nice, just, yeah, it definitely gave me some hope and brought some joy into my life. <laughs> It's about choices and, you know, when how to relationship, you know, mm -hmm. there's probably some good lessons in there, but it comes that you must be open to it and um, you must be uh, committed to it. And I think when uh, the, those two things are there, good things will happen. And uh, it certainly did with me and Gail. So uh, one of the most profound experiences of my life and uh, I'll certainly never forget it. And um you know, it would we'll always live in this book. So that's the. Mm -hmm. nice. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Gary. I mean, You're very Larry, welcome. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think because of Gail, I, I combined Gail and Larry and I said, Gary, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I do that a lot, but uh, thank you again, everyone. Check out all his links. They're all going to be in the show notes and video description. And please do yourself a favor and read his book. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time today. And, um, and I really love all the work you're doing. So oh. continue on. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. So that is it for episode 10 of season one, the season one finale of the How to Relationship podcast. Thanks again so much to Larry for being on. It was so great speaking with you. And again, please, <laughs> anyone listening, check out the book. I will have a link to the book in the show notes and video description. Uh, you can get it on paperback, Kindle, and as Larry stated, it will soon be available on Audible. It's amazing. Uh, I'm probably even though I already read the book, I definitely want to check out the audio version just so I can, you know, so the story can kind of come to life more <laughs> for me i think that would be just a wonderful thing to experience and again check out all of larry's links in the show notes and video description as well i will have a bonus episode for season one coming up so stay tuned for that and in the meantime between season one and season two of the podcast i do plan on doing some giveaways, hopefully more than one, plural, all right? So if you want to have a chance at winning any of those things I'm going to give away, uh, please follow the podcast on Instagram at How to Relationship Podcast, and you can also find the podcast on Facebook as well. And if you've gotten, you know, something out of this podcast, it would really help us out if you could just, you know, leave a review on Apple iTunes, uh, just wherever you review podcasts, it really helps us out because there are so many different relationship podcasts. So anything you can leave on there, even if it's just five stars and just one word, great. I don't know. 
it would really, really help us out. So, and if you have been listening throughout this whole season, wow, thank you so much. I really appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to listen. And I hope you've gotten a lot out of it. I definitely have. I've learned so much from all these couples. I cannot wait for season two. And yeah, thank you for welcoming us this podcast into your life okay i'll shut up now <laughs> again thank you so much for listening i'm your host Ana lucia and hopefully i'll see you next time on season two of the how to relationship podcast <laughs> <laughs>